0: Welcome to the Gardening Talk back on to When You Are at FM, Greg Richard, joined today by Scott Sharp. Great to see you back in the studio, Scott. Thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. Excellent. You've been mulling it doing anything
1: exciting for your time away or? Oh look, just the usual stuff. <laughs> work, work, work. <laughs> what have you got lined up for us today? Busy, Scott? busy, busy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought we'd talk about winter grass. What a nasty little thing. It comes in, takes over your lawn, and then just disappears until next winter. Uh, yeah, yep. not a good thing, but you can keep it under control. We'll talk about that today. Also, a plant that's going to be out in flower. It seems to get earlier and earlier all the time. The wattle, the wattle. We'll talk about that as well. And a conifer smirag. Uh, it's a great little conifer as well. It gets about two metres high. We'll speak about that also. Right. I'm looking forward to this wattle. It's a very, very lovely plant. Quick growing too. Judy mentioned winter grass last week, but quickly throw a bit more onto it. Well, look, it is a big problem, so why not mention it again? Uh, There's two ways to treat it as a pre-emergent, so you can actually spray before it comes out. A little bit late for that now because it's already out and probably tufting up. And the thing with the winter grass is the rest of your lawn slows down, stops, the winter grass little tufts come in, and it kills all the you know grass in, grass in underneath it yep. uh, it dies away as soon as it gets hot uh, so it is really important to try and keep it under control because if you don't the seed that forms will drop into the uh, into the soil sit there again for next year, and the problem just compounds after that. Right, and you get brown lawns. You do. You just get dirt everywhere. Not a good thing. So uh, spraying now is fine. The pre-emergent, as I said, is too late for that now. Uh, But you can spray with just uh, general winter grass killers. Get out there and do it. Uh, Always read your instructions to make sure that it's safe on the lawn that you've got. It usually is because there are different chemicals out there, so always check that. But just generally for other weeds in the lawn, because, again, your lawn stops growing, Uh, clover dandelions, nutgrass, grass, uh, they'll all have a fair decent crack still during winter. Uh, so good to get, uh, you know, give them a spray as well. Uh, once you've had a mow, then wait for about four to five days. Uh, that's when things start to grow again, especially the weeds. And that's when you hit them uh, with uh, just a general all-purpose, uh, you know, lawn uh, yep. spray uh, just for dandelion, clover, Uh, There's a lot of different varieties out there, different ways to apply them. Uh, So go grab some of that. Uh, Give your lawn a mow, wait a few days and then uh, spray for that. And you won't get those bare patches and the clover coming up really, really quickly and heavily in spring and summer. Just when you think you've got a break from the lawn...
0: It, can, it keeps shooting surprises back you at you. You can
1: never break from the lawn. It's just one of those <laughs> things you just have to keep on doing. Remember in, in COVID people were like having like almost manicured lawn contests yeah. on YouTube and all those, you know, social media things. Well you didn't have
0: much else to do, did you, yeah. you have to look after your lawn It's and... the only place you could really go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's guarding talk back on two at URFM. We've got Joan from Brangston, Brankston and she wants to know when's
1: the best time to prune grapes? Hey John, you're up in the uh, the grape growing area yourself. Yes, yes. It's a wonder you can't go to the uh, almost to the vineyard next door and just ask <laughs> ask them what to do.
2: Well, I noticed the other day some that haven't been pruned yet.
1: Yeah, but it is getting time to prune the grapes now. Uh, they've all lost their leaves. Uh, So, yeah, time to get out there and and give a a nice prune now. Now, remember, grapes will only really fruit uh, on the new growth. So if you just leave it sort of, you know, straggling everywhere, you're not going to get too much uh, fruiting off that plant. So that's why when you head up to, uh, you know, around the vineyards, you see them giving really, really heavy prunes. So uh, you'll see the vines that have stretched out, you know, for you know, metres and metres along the wires. They'll cut them back almost, you know, not to the ground, but uh, just up, you know, where it's clinging onto the wire so that when it comes out of dormancy in spring, it shoots off. Uh, Then it gets lots and lots of new flowering material and then you get all the the fruit coming on that. So it is time to give it a prune. You can be fairly hard uh, with the grapevine and it will just ensure that you get uh, lots of nice, uh, you know, green growth, but also the, the fruit that you want in January and February.
2: Good, thank you very much. Okay. I'll do it as soon as your show (laughs) is (laughs) over.
0: Thanks for that, Joan. And thank you for the call. Bill from Shortland,
1: and he's got a question about orchids. Good afternoon, Bill. How might we help you, mate?
3: Scott, I was able to pick up a couple of orchids from a deceased estate a few weeks ago, and they're both in pots. One's in a large pot, probably around about 30, 40 centimetres, and one's in about a 20 centimetre pot. They're shooting roots at the moment, but what should I do? Should I repot them and do I trim them back? How do I look after them?
1: Yeah, so the orchids you've got there, the cymbidium, the sort of a a strappy, long green leaf, is that the one you've got? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Look, they're almost or or should be in flower for you at the moment. Uh, Have you noticed any spikes, any flower spikes coming up from, you know, almost the centre of the plant?
3: I. No, I can't see any. I'm looking at them at the moment, and I I can't see any. They, they where they've come from, they were a bit neglected, and they were just sort of shoved against a um, a Western fence and sort of
1: left. Yeah, okay. So look, they might just be a little bit malnourished. You've said that you, they've got roots coming out the bottom, so they're they're probably pretty pot bound. Uh, yes. So if you want to, you can split them. You might as well split them now. There's you know almost no you know harm that you're going to do if they're not going to flower. Uh, you know, you might as well split them now. Although some orchids, you know, the different uh, flower colours and varieties, they flower at different times. So, uh, you know, typically uh, white and yellows go first, and then you go onto the, you know, the darker browns. So it might be worth just waiting a couple of weeks to see if anything's going to, you know, pop up um, from yep. the middle of the plant. But otherwise, then you would actually go and split them. So you just pull them out of the uh, out of the pots that they're in. Um, you can be quite rough with them. You don't have to be too, uh, you know, gentle about, uh, you know, sort of pruning up uh, or uh, dividing an orchid, and then go right. grab yourself a, a nice sharp knife or a pruning saw, like a serrated pruning saw. Yes. And you'd actually, uh, you know, for instance, divide that plant probably into, you know, three or four segments, uh, yes. just looking at the actual bulbs and trying to track, uh, you know, a little line as you're cutting, you know, so you're not actually cutting any bulbs in half. Yes. Um, but it might be that they're just so tied. You just have to, you know, sort of hack into them anyway, and then go and get a good orchid potting mix. Most important, you need a, a nice, um, you know, sort of friable, free, um, big chunky potting mix. It almost looks like bark, uh, yes. and you need to pot them into that. So always, right, yeah. yeah, go and get a, a really decent um, orchid potting mix. You need it for cymbidiums. There's a, a number of different varieties out th- of orchids out there. Uh, Some of them need a coarser mix. Uh, Cymbidiums need, a, I guess you would say, a finer mix. Uh, So always go and talk to your local garden centre, explain the plant. They'll sell you the appropriate potting mix and uh, pot it up and uh, give it a good old fertilise as well. Fair enough. Yep. Now there's a couple of different fertilisers you can get. You can get general purpose fertilisers for orchids. Uh, there's also what I used to call the yellow and the blue um, uh, fertilisers, and uh, you know the blue would do specifically flowering, and the yellow would do growth. Uh, so if you see those, uh, you can get the one that would be appropriate for growth, or otherwise just an all-purpose general one, and give it a go. Right.
3: Yeah. And when I repot them. The stems that don't have any leaves or anything on them, do I cut all of
1: them off? Or? Yeah, look, anything that's a bit ugly and dead and you know sort of rotting away, just uh, you know sort of tease away at the plant and and see what sort of comes comes apart. But uh, generally, once you start cutting, you'll you'll get into the you know to the bulb and it's you know nice and greenish. You're trying to. You know, dissect and you know, and yep. and get the bulbs apart. Uh, so anything that looks like it's a bit shaggy and rotten, just get rid of those. Um, yeah, don't be too uh-huh. worried about that. But it'll look a bit uh, nasty and awful for a little while after you've uh, repotted it. But they will come back. They're a very tough plant. Okay, thank you very much for your help. Okay, good on you, Bill, and good luck with it. Give us a call back and uh, tell us uh, when you get some nice flowers out of it.
3: Oh, well, I'll probably take some flowers. I'm only around the corner, so I'll take some flowers and pop in and let
0: them tell to you.
1: Fantastic. Good on you, Bill. Thanks for the call.
0: Thanks, Scott. Jeez. Bye-bye. we got Lynn from Western, and she's having some issues with frost.
2: Oh, hi, Scott.
1: Hello, yeah. hello Lynn. What's been happening?
2: Oh, my euphorbia, um, Crown of Thorns. I have three of them and they've been hit by frost and it's almost bleached the leaves. Mm. Is that going to kill my plants because I don't want them to die.
1: No, look it's not necessarily going to kill it. Eventually after the bleaching though you might see some I guess what the best way to describe some scabbing almost of it where you will see some dieback back of it and you'll get those patches of you know brown on there. Won't kill the plant but uh, it will just make it look a bit, little bit ugly unfortunately.
2: Well, I can't get any
1: uglier. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. They're, not, they're a beautiful plant. You know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder and all of that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, uh, the best thing you can do is if you think there's going to be a frost coming, uh, just toss an old sheet. Uh, you know, yep. just just something over the top of the plant to try and protect it. Uh, you can okay. go out around dawn and actually sort of wet down the plant uh, because watering a plant, um, uh, you know, all over the leaves actually breaks up the frost and almost warms it up uh, around dawn. But uh, most people don't want to be doing that. So just an old sheet or some okay. sort of covering will protect, generally okay. protect the plants from a frost.
2: So it would, the frost would affect their stems, just sort of like the frangipani. Our frangipani is being hit really, really hard, and usually the stems that have been hit the worst are all soft and mucky. Did the ones on the euphorbia do the
1: same? Look, that wouldn't surprise me if it did the same as with a frangipani. And I know with a frangipani, yeah, you do get those, uh, you know, the the tips of the plant where it's still, uh, you know, green and you can almost see the leaves ready to to come back and uncurl. Once the frost hits that, it does create dieback uh, down Mm. through the plant, so... In some ways, with a frangipani, I know we're digressing. Uh, a good thing to do is just if you've got a, had a frost affected frangipani, to actually go and give it a quick prune and try and stop that die back from spreading any further down into the oh. plant. Yeah. Why
2: well, do it now before we get another frost?
1: Well, not necessarily. I think I will probably just leave it leave it be. Um, yeah. But if you're seeing it die back, try and actually prune it out. But the main thing yeah. is, if you know you're going to get a frost, uh, you know if the forecast has, has told you so, um, jump out there with uh, some sort of covering just to try and protect the plant.
2: Mm. Well, we thought we were pretty safe. It's about fifteen year old and it's like two metres tall. And we thought it was pretty safe, but. Obviously not, because
1: every single leaf has been burnt. Yeah, and, and look, unfortunately, a, a frost, it's, it's just one of those things. Uh, it will affect younger plants more because, you know, they are a little bit more tender. Older plants, mm. it will still affect. Um, but be, by virtue of them being larger and, you know, a bit badder and a bit older, um, it, uh, you know, has the ability to bounce back a little bit more.
2: Hopefully, I dokey I'll keep an eye on my crown of thorns and (laughs) cut it back if I have to.
0: (laughs) Good on you, Lynn. Thanks very much for the call. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Bye. It's Gardin' Talk back on 2 R F M. If you've got a question, 49216216. We've got Joanne from Lambton she has
1: got a question about, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this right. Oh, come on. Give it a go. I, I love it when you, you shy away from pronouncing where well, you might actually accidentally say a rude word. Mm. Fusca? Uh, fuchsia. Fuchsia. Yes. Yes. Some people say it in a certain way that yep. yeah, we, we won't be saying today. That's <laughs> so I was a bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Joanne, it's an old fashioned plant, but you've still got one in the garden. What's been happening with it?
2: Yeah. It's, no, I just want to know when do you um, prune them?
1: Not now, I would say to you. Uh, really? a, a fuchsia is a, a pretty sort of tender plant, so when it's cold, uh, you don't want any new growth coming on it, because if we get a, even a cold wind um, with a fuchsia, you know, let alone a frost uh, like we're hearing from uh, Lynn up in Western, um, it's it's going to damage the plant. So always with a fuchsia, um, just wait until uh, spring. spring. Uh, yeah, okay. really, that first second week of September. Uh, to give it a cut back, and that's when you do it. You're going to get new growth coming on there nice and quickly as well. Uh, So, yeah, really wait until those first couple of weeks of uh, September to cut back your fuchsia.
2: Okay, thanks very much, Scott.
1: Okay, not a problem. Thank you for the call. Okay,
0: bye. And we've got Kevin from Fennel Bay, and he's got a question about coloured roses.
1: Hey, Kevin, how can we help, mate? Um, Yeah, I've
4: seen on Facebook and wherever else my wife's pointed it out to me. Roses with multi-colours in the petals. You know where to be able
1: to get one then? Look, you'd really just have to uh, jump on to go and see your local garden centre. They usually have catalogues for all the different rose companies. And yes, you can get... Uh, I guess, uh, flowers or roses with multicolored petals. They're generally smaller growing roses. There are some larger ones, I guess, that you could say are multicolored, um, like peace rose, uh, which sort of have a, has a bit of a blush to it. But some of the uh, the lower-growing varieties do have that. So really, the best bet is to go to your local garden centre. Uh, they will be able to help you out. As I said, they've got those catalogues for all the different uh, rose, um, you know, companies uh, around Australia. Uh, and A lot in South Australia, uh, still some down in New South Wales, uh, Victoria. They'll be able to go through those with you and help you out to uh, get one of those, those roses. Uh, look, some of the bigger local garden centres may even have the varieties there anyway, uh, and they won't have to be specially ordered in. But uh, it's the time of year, mate, to go and check that out because it is rose time. Right about now, uh, all the garden centres will have their you know the largest variety possible uh, to view uh, throughout the year. So, uh, really a good idea to get out there this weekend and uh, check it out and see if you can find one. Yeah, no worries.
4: So you should have those
1: catalogues and have you're for this uh, Yeah, look, that that's entirely possible, mate. Just go to your um, your local one wherever you're up around Fennel Bay. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, lots of different ones up around the valley as well. Um, so yeah, get out and check those out. No worries. Thank okay, you. good on you, Kevin. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin.
0: It's guarding talk back on 2 any FM. 49216216 Scott. You mentioned a thing about a wattle
1: at the top of the hour. Yes. Yes. It's it's well, I keep on thinking it I know wattle season's a little bit later on, but yep. um strangely enough they uh, they seem to be uh, flowering earlier and earlier all the time, don't oh. they? Yeah, well, I'll take your word for it. No, yes. well, okay, okay. Well, like, <laughs> I'm such a believable character. <laughs> I'm glad you actually uh, believe what I've got to say. Uh, yeah. So look, they they are, um, you know, I think flowering earlier and earlier. They're a great plant to have in the garden. They're so quick growing. That's the one of the fantastic things about wattles. Yep. Now, in fact, one you know, after a bushfire goes through, one of the first plants to uh, come back. Apparently, there's some sort of uh, symbiosis between ants and wattles. They love the oiliness coming out of the wattle and they'll take the uh, wattle seeds and store them underground so after a fire goes through uh, that heat sort of germinates the uh, uh, the uh, wattle seeds in under the ground they pop open and off they go and they grow very quickly Uh, and uh, they'll populate the area to provide you know more food um, for uh, you know the the fauna of the area Um, so yeah a a really quick growing plant so many different varieties as well which is fantastic Um, so they can be uh you know, quite good for the, the smaller garden as well. Yep. Uh, so there's limelight. It's a dwarf, uh, almost like a little cascading um, lime. Almost looks like a ground cover. Fantastic for rockeries uh, and in a hot, dry uh, spot. Uh, a really lovely plant. There's of course the uh, dwarf athimbreiada. It's not a big tall growing wattle, but you'll get the yellow flowers off that. Sorry, limelight, you don't really get the flowers um, coming oh, out right. of that. Yep. Yeah, it's more just for the the color of the, uh, the the leaves and the sort of the nature of the growth. Uh, of course there's uh, you know the old snowy river wattle, you know the larger growing ones with a beautiful uh, yellow. You can also get a purple leafed wattle as well. Of course you can. Of course you can, and there is a red coloured the cinnamon wattle. So a very very nice plant. Again, quick growing, but uh, unfortunately they you know will die out after you know seven eight years. Uh, yeah. So if you need to cover you're going to say months then. No, no. I'm not, I'm not that cruel. Uh if you need something, you know, an area covered in very very quickly, uh you know, like in 9 months or so, waddles a fantastic plant, but you have to be aware that uh you know, to plant something else, you know, in the area as well. Around that fifth year mark, yep. the waddle's probably going to, uh, to give up the ghost a little bit after that.
0: Oh, okay. Right.
1: So you've got to give it a friend to help it out
0: in its last few years. You do have to give it a little holding <laughs> hand. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> so we've got Tony from Madawi, and he's got a question about these geishas that he brought in orange.
1: Hello, Tony. Tony. Oh, what's happened well, to Tony? Actually, I was out in Orange a couple of weeks ago, there was a jazz festival out there Yeah, right Yeah, went out and uh, had a listen there, it's a really beautiful city actually for gardens uh, Look, lots of big trees in the parks and because of the cold out there, they're very, very different to sort of the Newcastle and the Hunter region But uh, yeah, beautiful houses, must have been a very rich town I should imagine back in the day So uh, yeah, an interesting plant that Tony's found out there Tony, are there again, mate? Nope. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, you must have gone to a hollow Yeah, Geisha girl, though, is a form of gerantra. It gets this really, really beautiful purple flower on it mm-hmm. uh, with sort of a white uh, outside. Yep. Uh, edge, I think edge. they are. Edge, that's, what, that's the word <laughs> I was looking for. The plant gets to about three metres tall. Uh, very, very quick growing. Uh, look, they are... It can get a bit, I guess, you know, rangy and spindly uh, once they get to about three meters tall. So a plant that's best kept uh, as a nice tight hedge and pruned back, uh, you know, fairly regularly because that keeps the uh, the the growth uh, nice and tender and fresh yeah. rather than going hard and woody. But yeah, look, I have to tell you the flower uh, the flowers that come out on the Geisha Girl are spectacular, um, and again, very tough and uh, quick growing plant. That's probably why he's been able to see it out at an Orange because it would handle. Uh, the cold and a bit of frost out there. Right, so it would be fine at the moment, although
0: the wind might not be appreciative.
1: Yeah, look, it would still be fine at the moment, uh, especially for Tony if he's brought it back from orange. <laughs> it's, it's like it's on a you know holiday in the Bahamas right about now yeah. here in Newcastle <laughs> compared to out there. Uh, but it'll grow fine. Uh, again, uh, look, the only thing, you can not get the golden geranto, which is the yellow-coloured one. If it gets cold, they do blacken off quite naturally yep. in the leaves. Uh, so you don't prune them at this time of year. You just leave that sort of blackened layer over there. Give it a good hard prune back in September and then you'll get quick new growth then. So uh, pretty much the same for the the, Durant, the uh, geisha gul, uh, but it doesn't go black like the golden one. Okay, well, we've got Barbara now from Roman Terrace and she's got a question about lawns. Hello, Barbara. How can we help you?
2: Oh, good afternoon. Yes, I'm wondering if you can recommend any dog-friendly product that'll help eliminate, that I can use on the lawn to eliminate weeds. I've got Bindi, Clover, Flatweed.
1: Yes. Okay. So look, that that's a really difficult thing to do. There are, you know, chemicals, well, they're not actually chemicals. They're, they're uh, pine oil-based sprays that you can get to spray on weeds and it, with the aid of the sun, uh, will actually burn the weed away. Um, mm-hmm. But essentially anything that that touches is going to, uh, you know, burn away. So you'd have to be very, very careful. You'd have to be like Clint Eastwood and be sort of a marksman there um, with your spray gun and making sure you only got those weeds because it will just burn anything else away. They don't work so well in winter either because you need the hot sun to actually do the burny bit. Uh, But look, that that said, um, when you look at, uh, you know, the chemicals that are available to spray for those particular weeds you mentioned. They're mostly salt based anyway. Um, so if you go out and spray and then let it properly dry off before you let pooch back out onto the lawn, it's going to be safe. It's only when you let you know the dog go out there and run around when the lawn's still quite wet with the spray uh, on there that is going to you know irritate the paws, you know they might lick it uh, and you'll just have some issues then. So I would say if you're able to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, farm the dog out for, you know, for the day, <laughs> or keep the dog inside, or you know, in another area, and, and it dries off, you're not going to have a problem. Uh, they're not not especially harmful, as I said. They're salt-based chemicals. Uh, so uh, look, apart from those pine-based you know, specific ones that you can get and be very, very careful with your marksmanship, uh, you'd have to go and use one of the, the bindi and clover killers or, or clean lawn, for instance, to kill those, uh, you know, the the dandelions or the clover or the bindi.
2: Yes, I was thinking of the bindi um, spray, bindi clover
1: yes yeah and look not a bad time of year to do it as well because often they'll keep on growing as i said earlier in the show and and the lawn will stop so if you get out and do a spray now uh it sort of mitigates and keeps it all a little bit under control and then you can do another spray you know come september uh when it does start to take off again but you'll have minimized uh you know that weed taking over in the colder winter months but again, as I said with the animals, just uh, keep them off uh, until it's dried. I know it's a bit harder in winter, um, but uh, you know you can manage that, and uh, you know it should be fine for the animals. Mm-hmm.
2: And again, also, is it best to wait a while after mowing the lawn?
1: Yeah. So with uh, spraying, obviously, you know these salt-based chemicals they lay down onto the surface of the you know the leaf, and they will be absorbed and burn in that way. So if I mean, just by you know, virtue, if you've mowed the lawn, you've cut away all of that uh, you know, sort of leafy growth that you needed to uh, soak into. So if you mow the lawn, wait you know, five, six days until you start to see that growth coming back and then go out and spray or just leave it spray, wait a week or so until you've seen, you know, some discolorization and some, uh, you know, wilting of those particular weeds, and then you can go out and um, mow a couple of days after that. So, uh, yeah, look, you really do need the leafy growth, so you either have to, uh, you know, mow and wait or, um, you know, uh, wait and, and then mow, I guess is the best way to think about it.
2: Right, okay.
1: Thank okay. you very much. Okay, thanks very much for the call, Barbara. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. We've got time for a couple more calls. We've got Karen from Soldiers Points, and she's got a question about jasmine and wattle.
2: Yeah, uh, oh, look, I just wanted... Uh, firstly, I enjoy your show. It's really interesting. Thank you for that. Oh,
1: I, thank you, Karen.
2: But I just wanted to make a, a comment that people be mindful of where they put these plants in, particularly in suburban areas, because there are many, many people with asthma and hay fever, and they plant... Wattle and jasmine and plants like that in small suburban blocks and make someone's life a misery.
1: <laughs> that you know look that 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 is true. um yeah, because wattle you know does have that effect, doesn't it? Almost that dusty pollen that comes off it and just the the scent of the jasmine. So I guess it's always good to talk to your neighbours before you go and you know start it, exactly Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start they planting. Be very
2: mindful. I mean a lot of people are kind of think oh, it's great to have natives, and I suppose it is if you live on a big block and it doesn't matter to anyone, but in a small block, I don't think
1: they really should be planted. Um, it's not, not um, very good. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you for that. Yeah, and look, good. yeah, talk to your neighbours. Just make sure, I guess, any plant that you're going to, you know, stick in, uh, you know, around fence lines and things, always just uh, go and have a word with a neighbour to make sure it's, uh, you know, something they're happy with as well. Uh, the birds love the wattles; They really do. Well, oh, that's cool. We get, yeah. Bring the birds and can't help. Yeah, well, I think that's a great thing. And the bees as well. But, uh, yeah, always be mindful.
0: Uh, we've got yeah. Trevor now from at Cameron Park, and he's got a quick question about navel oranges. Yes, hi. Hi, Trevor. How can we help, mate?
4: Oh, I've got a problem with this tree. It's a navel tree. Uh, it bears quite a lot of fruit. Now, I've had to use some garden hose and put around the branches and a rope through that to pull the branches up because there's, there's so much fruit that's a foot off the ground.
1: Oh, okay. How old's the plant?
4: Oh, it's about 12 years old now.
1: Okay, so it's quite an old plant. I thought it might have just been a young, sort of soft plant that, uh, you know, was uh, you know straining under the under the weight of the fruit. But uh, so you've just been sort of trying to prop it up with stakes, have you, Trevor?
4: No, no, I've used i rope. Oh, okay. I've used the rope,
1: it's in
4: a pyramid-shaped triangle, oh, yeah. and I've a pyramid shape triangle, and I've fed some the fed the rope through some garden hose to so it wouldn't damage the branches. Mm. Uh, know that that's helped, but the other problem is it's been my fruit's been cracking the larger oranges have been cracking
1: yeah, now that can often be uh just through inconsistent watering you know you it dry, 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 then we get some rain, and it quickly soaks up the water, and that that's when you start to get that uh you know cracking in fruit so I guess consistent watering's great to try and stop that cracking in fruit. Have you ever thought about just even thinning out the plant a little bit, even when it's at the flowering stage? Uh, you can prune some of the flowering off just so it doesn't fruit as heavily? I mean, you've got this fantastic problem that most people would be uh, you know envious of uh, to you know have so much fruit on the plant. But uh, yeah, look, that might be an idea just to generally thin the plant out when it's at that uh, that flowering stage, just to try and reduce the the amount of fruit that it's actually going to try and carry throughout the year, and then make sure that your watering's a little bit more consistent.
4: Well, I've had I've had oranges up to oh, nearly half a kilo in weight. Would you believe?
1: Wow, well, that's a, It sounds like you've got uh, no uh, issues with your vitamin C intake. I should imagine. Well, actually,
4: they've with Dynamic Lifter and, uh, uh, and there's another black grain black
1: something rather they call it yeah okay well look that's, uh, that's fantastic Trevor as you said the uh, Dynamic Lifter they love poultry manure that's made up of that so really great problem you've got a bit of a thin out and uh, you should have a much healthier plant next year Scotch up we're out of time for another week okay talk to you next week